KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and standing by to join me is Lauren Tarshis and she is New York, Time, New York Times best-selling author and senior vice president and editor-in-chief publisher of Scholastic Classroom Magazines. I'm really excited to have her on the show. We're going to talk about her I Survived series and her latest I Survived the Attacks of September 11, 2001. Welcome to the show. Hi Janine, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I, be, I always like to jump in. How did you, or when did you know you wanted to be a writer? Oh boy. Well, I have, an, I have a story that I love to share with every kid I meet because I tell them that even though my dad was a writer when I was growing up, in fact, I'm at my parents' house right now and my dad is still working like a mad scientist at the age of 81 down love in his it. basement. Um, we, it, it seemed, it was, seemed to be an absolute impossibility that I could ever be a writer like my dad because I had a reading struggle when I was growing up. So I didn't actually read a book cover to cover till I was 14 years old. So um, I did sort of, you know, I loved my dad. It wasn't the best way to earn a living as he would be the first to admit, Um, but I knew he loved what he did. And he was always meeting fascinating people and traveling to different places and sitting in this messy little office and typing until midnight. And so I had this inspiration, but none of this ever seemed possible to me. So it really wasn't until, you know, college that where I kind of figured out how to read all these doors opened in my mind. And that's, you know, that, that's, they kind of took it from there, but fiction was a whole other story because I started out really wanting to be more of a journalist and I didn't really start, I didn't rediscover the world of children's literature, which of course I had completely missed as a child until I was in my thirties. And it was reading those books um, for my job at Scholastic that caused me to fall in love with children's literature and become determined to learn how to write a novel. So it's a long story, Janine, my whole journey of becoming a writer, but I love to share that story with kids because, you know, one of the themes of my I Survive series is sort of resilience and mm-hmm. overcoming challenges. And even though I have not, you know, fortunately been in like a volcanic eruption or, you know, um, some of the terrifying events that I write about, um, overcome, you know, not knowing what you're capable of, right. um, setting out to learn it is something that I love to, it's a message I really love to share with kids. Well, there's another message from what I'm hearing you say, and I want to tell you that I was not a very good student growing up, was not a good reader. And, and here you are. <laughs> well, it, it's funny. And so my message, and I'm hearing what you say, is that, you know what, don't, don't think that when you get in those moments where you're not doing well in school, you're bombing your SATs, you're a D or an F student, those were all me, by the way, that that predicts your future, because it doesn't. And I feel like you have created a series that perhaps could have really helped you as a kid. Well, I think that, you know, one of the missions of my series, because now I've been doing it for more than 10 years, I've just, I'm just starting my 22nd I Survive book. And now we have these graphic novel, novels that are spinning off from the series. So um, one of the things that um, I'm very committed to, and it's a huge part of what keeps me writing the series, mm-hmm. is that so many, to your point, so many of my readers are not 
yeah. with, they would not describe themselves as readers. They're right. not the kids huddled under their covers with a flashlight reading Lord of the Rings when they're nine years old, like my friend Michelle did. <laughs> you know, they're kids who many of them say, I don't like to read. I, I don't, I'm a terrible reader. And yes. your book was the first I ever read, your Titanic book. And I always write back and say, well, you know, my books are actually not that easy, you know, so you can hear the planes going overhead here. I know it's fine. And I hear crickets um, or something. Yes, I'm here in the beautiful, my parents' courtyard here in Connecticut. Um, but I really want to create books that are accessible to all kinds of readers. And many of my readers are kids who are fragile readers or struggling readers, or they're mm -hmm. English as a second language kids. Um, and the goal for me is to be able to give them access to these really important, really fascinating stories. Because even though you don't love to read, I can tell that you were probably this way too. You and I would have gotten along well, because even when you're struggling to read or not a great student or resisting, you know, these, you know, your class lessons, that doesn't mean you're not incredibly curious. Yes. It doesn't mean you don't want to have these fascinating conversations. Yes. So to give right. kids access to history, to help them understand the relevance, to engage them, to want to hopefully you read a D-Day book that, you know, that you somehow connect to, and then all these little doors in your mind fling open and you want to mm -hmm. read more about, you know, World War II or, you know, France or, you yes. know, so, yes. and I don't know if this helped you, but I was the kind of kid that would ask my teacher, instead of doing the test, could I do a project? Can I yep. do some kind of creative thing? And, um, you know, there's, I always say there's so many different types of intelligence, which you know, and uh, I love just how you found your groove. Your, your dad must be proud of you. Here you are. He is friend. very proud. I feel probably wants to come out and say hi to you, Janine. <laughs> yes, but he's, um, yes, he is. My parents are. And, um, and I, I, going back to what you said, I love what you said about, you know, telling kids, I always tell them every time I talk to kids, which is all the time, you know, whether it's now by zoom or in person, I say, I was the last person. If you, I show them my sixth grade picture of all the sixth graders. And I say, I remember this day. And if you truly, if you had if you had asked all those kids on that day, who was the last person they would expect to grow up to be an author, they yes. would have pointed at me. And it's funny because I just went to one of my high school reunions a couple of weeks ago. And it was so lovely because, you know, again, I was like the last person anyone expected to, to be an author and to, sure. to do the things that I'm doing. And it was just very, people were very, they were very just so kind and happy for me. <laughs> no, they, you know, I think they knew like, you know, this is not, this, this didn't seem to be in the cards at all they said it in a nice way anything's but, possible though yeah it Where is did, you, know that, did so. you go to high school in connecticut i did i did staples high school what is it staples high school oh i know staples we yes. played against them i went to O'Haywood. oh yes you did we were rivals <laughs> i think yes <laughs> yes i think i got mowed down on the basketball court by some <laughs> <table>. <laughs> or lacrosse oh, one of them we'll have to find the person who did that to you <laughs> so funny. I want to jump into your latest book because um, my dad was supposed to be in the second tower on 9-11. I have his ID. And for people that grew up on the East Coast, you know, witnessing or being in the city or knowing people, you know, it's, it's so emotional for us. That's an understatement. How tough was it to write a children's book about this topic? This is an important topic. Well, the I never imagined I would write about 9-11 when I first had the idea for the I Survive series. I thought I was going to be writing 
about long ago natural disasters. And I thought, I'm just going to write four little historical fiction stories. They'll be about these long ago events, you know, like the Titanic and the children's blizzard of 1888. And, um, and they'll be super easy to write. <laughs> and then I'll go back because I, I had actually started writing another series. I had two books out that were a much different, more literary series called Emma Jean Lazarus Fell Out of a Tree. I thought, I'll write these little I Survive books and I'll go back to Emma Jean and that'll be that. Um, and it was just no one really, I think, expected them to many kids to want to read them. I just thought I want to fill that place. Parents will understand this between on the library shelf. There's a I felt there was a gap between the magic treehouse books, which yes. are those first, you know, kind of great early chapter books. And then Rick Briordan's Lightning Thief. So for boys or kids who really need to be engaged, those two series are so fabulous. And I thought there needs there. I don't, I was hard for me to find books for my kids that were a bridge between. So that was really my goal. And again, it was just these kind of, you know, little light, you know, lightish historical fiction books. Yeah. Very quickly, I started to, right after the first two books came out, they came out in quick succession, the Titanic and the shark attacks. I started getting deluged with mail, email and mail from readers want to ask, and they were filled with ideas. They, okay. they were, they wanted to tell me what they wanted to read about. And 9-11 was mm -hmm. by far the topic that they kept asking for. I mean, I think in the end it was, I think I once tallied it up and it was close to 2000 letters and emails oh. from it over the years. And at first it just seemed like an impossibility. Like I could, how could I possibly write about that for kids? Why would I possibly write about that for kids? But then after a while, I started to think, well, wait a minute, they, they these kids who were not born yet when this happened, yes, must understand that their world in some ways was shaped by this. You know, these anniversaries would come in the the heaviness and the emotion you referenced that um, <laughs> of that day. Um, and I started to hear from teachers and librarians and booksellers who said, you know, there really are not many books that help that are safe. And I put that in quotes, ways for kids to begin to explore this topic. And we don't, you know, you can go online and see all sorts of things that are very overwhelming and terrifying. Right. So I finally decided that I would write about this event. It was very challenging, um, by far the most, I mean, they're all super challenging. My books, I was wrong about them being easy. They're incredibly, they're, they're very torturous to write the joy I feel at connecting with kids is sort of the great, you know, reward I get because mm -hmm. each one I travel to the place that I write about. I interview lots of different experts, whether it's a, you know, tornado experts or historians who are experts in the Revolutionary War, museums, you know, many, many books, um, articles, videos, all you of do that. a lot of homework. A lot of homework and then creating the fictional characters in their world and then interweaving them and then trying to add a plot that keeps those fragile reluctant readers like my kids my own sons reading mm -hmm. so um they're all difficult but 9 11 which was had such immediacy and i know you know i was i live i work in new york city I happened to be in the air when this happened and was turned around in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and sent back to England and separated from our kids, you know, so which was nothing compared to what happened to, you know, our men and my friends and family members who were in New York on that day, um, some of whom escaped the towers. So the whole thing was just um, is so fraught. 
Um, and the research is so painful because you can truly immerse yourself in every second of what happened that day that's so meticulously documented. Yeah. Um, so it was just a very agonizing, you know, um, and I, oh, the whole time I thought this is not going to, you know, I'm not going to do a good job and I'm going to disappoint the first responders who I want to honor in this book and all that. But in the end, I did decide to make it really about the family of uh, the son of a firefighter and a story of his family and to take it beyond just 9-11 to start, you know, to make it about um, to give my character Lucas, my main character, a little more of a front story than I did in some of the other books. So he, you know, I really um, he is grappling with concussion, a concussion that is potentially taking away his great love of football. Um, and he's had this issue in his family involving his own, his father, who's a firefighter who was injured a few years ago in a Brooklyn warehouse fire. I had read a lot about New York City firefighters and, you know, just what, what it's like for those families sure. when they're, so um, in the end, that was the story. And I, so I, I call it in some ways, it's sort of a, I create a, a safe kind of silo um, for my readers to understand that day, to understand what happened, to understand how we united um, without exposing them to some of the, some of the aspects of 9-11 that are not you know, that are, are way too complicated. My book is intended to be a door opener, a way to start discussions. But um, And now, you know, that book was written, you know, I guess 10 years ago now, no, five years ago now. And what's new is the graphic novel that has just come out in time for the 20th um, anniversary. And that book is my characters and my plot, but this incredible artist named Corey Egbert um, took my characters and plot um, and a script by this wondrous Georgia Ball, who's done four adaptations of my graph of my books into graphic novels. And they've created this really beautiful, powerful work of art um, that I just got to watch <laughs> being created um, Amazing. And, and helped, you know, yeah. with some of the historical stuff. So now your uh, role at Scholastic came before your desire to write or was it kind of blended? It was blended. I mean, yeah. I, after college, I started working at Scholastic 30 years ago. Um, oh. And, you know, it was in writing for a high school magazine about current events. It was the closest I could come to getting a real newspaper job, which is really mm -hmm. what I wanted. And again, I hadn't read any Scholastic book as a child, books as a child. I was not one of those people who had great nostalgia over book fairs or book clubs, like many of my friends, because for me, Wait, that excuse was me, I have to see you in that interview. So tell me, <laughs> why do you want to work here? I don't be a fan of our books. Nope, not really. Not at all. No, I mean, I'm not a reader. It's true. Well, my, our magazine division, which was the founding division of Scholastic, mm -hmm. um, our founder, Maurice Robinson founded Scholastic 101 years ago with a single magazine for high school students. So that was the seed that from which sprouted the mm -hmm. beautiful empire of, which is now the, our, we're the largest children's publisher in the world. Yeah. Division is now also a big, robust division, which we are called Magazines Plus because it's not only 25 different magazines cutting across all the grade levels and the content areas, but also incredible digital resources that enable teachers to turn articles and stories and plays into learning journeys. I love that. Um, so it's very much the same. You're right. There, it's very much the same mission. And um, my desire to write fiction um, really did um, evolve through just being in the soil of scholastic. It's hard not sure. to, to right. do that. 
So, but the, my series, which is sort of my separate side gig and my work on magazines are of course completely intertwined um, and, and very much a part of this sort of unified, I don't want to seem grandiose, but you know, this mission of helping kids understand themselves in the world, making, having, giving kids access to facts. And I think now more than ever, um, one of the things I really appreciate about being able to write I Survived is that the stories seem to be very uniting to, you know, and that I can go to Texas, I can go to New York City, all these different places where, where people feel, you know, where, you know, we seem to, you know, be more and more divided, but there are a lot of very shared American values and stories that um, we all feel can feel really excited and invested in. Yes. So now I think more than ever, it feels really good to be writing about, um, you know, stories that that bring bring us together in conversation and shared remembrance. Yes. Well, think about, as you said, you can have conversations in Texas with the kids reading your books, conversations in New York. You could do things on Zoom with them. Yeah. And it's, we need that unity. And I believe it really starts with kids, obviously. Right. Kids aren't born with hate and, you know, prejudice and things like that. It's learned. You're right. I, it's true. And I think kids really are, they are curious. And um, so it's giving help, you know, providing stories. Stories are just very powerful ways yeah, of yeah. helping kids explore history and to starting those starting conversations. And I think also building empathy yes. um, for people who aren't exactly like them and have different experiences. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I'm really trying to do in the series, because, you know, kids always say to me, you know, they, they're like, you know, they have such wonderful questions about the series and they say, one and one kid wrote to me once, and I this my really my all time favorite email. He said, "Dear Mrs. Tarshish," and it, he wrote he had this really great handwriting. It was like in like pencil, you know, gripped. And why do you write about topics that are so depressing? D u p r e s s i n g. Okay, and I really thought about. it. I was like, "Oh my goodness, you are right. These are very super depressing, heavy, sometimes. heavy topics. Yeah, They're very heavy in story." But I, I really thought about his name was Travis. And I really thought about Travis's question before I wrote back to him. And I, I wrote back perhaps more like, like more um, lyrically than, than he needed to hear. But I realized that having spent all these years writing about these topics and meeting so many people who've gone through difficult events and come through them, um, it's made me more hopeful. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, it's given me, I think, a more realistic understanding of what resilience is. It's not instantly bouncing back. It doesn't mean you don't go through periods of terrible grief and pain sometimes and loss, but I am just amazed time and time again by the real people I meet who've been through events like Hurricane Katrina or the paradise, the fires in paradise, California. These are, you know, topics I've written about or people whose stories I uncover through their memoirs or diaries that were long ago. My own mother is a survivor of my mother-in-law who lived with us for 10 years was a Holocaust survivor. Who's like today, this would be her hundredth birthday. Um, She died just a few years ago, but she, she too, I mean, the stories of what she went through Mm -hmm. um, and then juxtaposing those experiences with her booming laugh 
and her zeal for life. And her joy. It doesn't mean that she doesn't have scars. Sure. It doesn't mean that she didn't have very haunted memories. That's right. Her capacity to go on and have kids and have a marriage and travel the world and mm-hmm. love to drink wine <laughs> and chocolate and read voraciously. Those are the, I think we want to, I want to show kids those models. Right. Well, you think about um, different people, let's say they're Paralympians, right? Yes. And they went to Amy Purdy, for example. Okay. You think about that story, you think, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for her, which we do. However, look at the flip side, which she did with her life. Yes. We actually have a family member who um, lost limbs to, you know, this awful bacteria and went on to become a spokeswoman and wanted to get a cheetah blade and go off and train for the Paralympics. So I love that you teach resilience. I think it's a very important lifelong lesson because things happen. They do. And I think right now with the pandemic, kids are getting a big dose of this. And I think that so many teachers, I mean, we're here, teachers are, are, are experiencing so many challenges right now all across the country. Um, and yet so many of the teachers that I've been talking to just like, I'm just dazzled by them and they're present for their kids. And they really under so many of them have shared that they do understand that this is this incredible opportunity for them to show kids what it means to be, to be able to pivot and react. And um, they feel that they're sort of these living, breathing lessons and, you know, in let's, okay, Mm -hmm. the zoom didn't work. Let's try Google meet. Well, then now the internet's down. So what do we do? Um, You know, so I get, and I do think that is an American quality. I don't know. I I choose again, to be very hopeful um, that we can find our shared, you know, our shared values and through these, shared stories. I think it's important. And I think with um, kids reading your books, they'll be inspired to be writers as well. I hope so. And I keep telling kids there, there are a lot of kids are saying, are you going to write about COVID-19? And I say, you know, what's, what, what I would say is that you guys should write about this. This is your story. Um, history is not just dates and facts. In fact, it really, I mean, you have to have your dates and facts correct. Mm-hmm. But it's really stories of ordinary people. And I say, your your kids and grandchildren are going to think you are just the most awesome. And they're going to want you to come to speak to their classes about yes. your experiences going through this pandemic. And I hope you have a little box that you, you're going to save a mask and you're going to save that takeout menu that you ordered mm-hmm. a million times during lockdown. <laughs> and you're going to share a screenshot of the Zoom of your whole class. Um, because those are going to be precious artifacts that either you or a future writer is going to think of as gold. Because that's yes. how I feel when I'm writing, you know, when I wrote my next book about the Galveston hurricane, which is coming out next week, you know, that's an event that next happened week? next week is the next is the 21st I survived. Great. That, that book is, you know, I was able to utilize it was so well documented and the historical society in Galveston has so has collected so many firsthand stories of the people and preserved maps and artifacts. So those stories are, and the people who went through those experiences, their voices are still very much the voices that are telling this story. That's amazing. I uh, do some talks for schools. And one of the things I'm trying to get kids to do is write about something really positive that happened. So it might be, oh, I met my 80-year-old neighbor. We became friends. Oh, I learned how to fill in the blank, you know? 
there are some positive learning moments. Well, I think you're right. And that's exactly what the teachers are. You have this sort of, you, you've, you're doing exactly what the best teachers are doing, Janine, because that's what they're, they're, you know, they call them silver linings, you know, it's, yes. and, and they've said it's incredible to them how even the kids who are really, you know, they're obviously, this is a shared historical experience. This is a shared experience. It's one of the first time, I mean, when in the world has every single person in the world had the same experience, but it's not being felt equally that's right. by everyone. Yes. But um, so, but even, you know, so many teachers have told me that even the kids who are really bearing, you know, who've had some really difficult experiences because of the pandemic can come up with something like that. someone who was kind to them, something that a way that they've been able to help another person that made them right. feel really good. Yes. We have to model that, right. And help them find those, um, build that capacity. Definitely. Definitely. Where can people find out more about you? Well, um, I, you can, I have a website, laurentarshis.com. And the reason I really want teachers and parents to go there is because I have lots and lots of free resources, um, lots of activities, um, videos, and lots of resources to help teachers and parents use my books as ways of exploring history. It's great. Fantastic. And give that one more time. Your website. Okay. And are you on social media? I'm on Twitter. Yes. Lauren okay. Tarsh is on Twitter. I'm on, I'm everywhere, but Twitter is really my, particularly my community. Um, most of my community is teachers, my teacher who inspire me. So I'd love, um, love to see that. Thank you that. so much, Janine. What if, what if this was great. To talk to you? It was great. And I feel like I'm in Connecticut again. I know you, you all this. I just, these are all cricket sound effects just for I love you. It. <laughs> <laughs>